Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. In this weekly show, we go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running the hardcover adventure Rime of the Frostmaven. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to help support shows like this, you can do so by becoming a patron. The links are down in the show notes below. To the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. Our group made it to Yethrin. So we are in the final chapter of Rime of the Frost Maiden. We're, we're, we're getting to the close. I don't think we're going to be done this year. Maybe this year? It's possible. I don't know. We're going to have to see. It's going to be interesting. Because what? We got about six weeks left? We could probably finish it this year, which means this would be almost a perfect one year campaign because I think we started right at the beginning of the year. So that will be really interesting. In our last session, let's take a look at our notes from last session's game. Oh boy. I learned a lesson. I learned, I, I, I have an experience I would like to share. And that experience is that mummy lords are kooky monsters. They are, they are some dangerous monsters. The characters began in the Caves of Hunger. They were getting close to the entrance to Yethrin. And they had just woken up a Netherese mummy that was buried in a wall nearby. And I said, one mummy's a little kind of boring. Why don't I make it a mummy lord? Like, a mummy lords. And I was complaining about mummy lords. Mummy lords are really weird monsters. The first thing that's weird is they are a CR 15 legendary monster with 97 hit points and a vulnerability to fire. That means it's very conceivable that a mummy lord will get killed before they get to have it. They would still might get a legendary action or two in. But you could deal for 97, half of that is what? That's 40, you know, 40, what, 47, 48 points, something like, like 48 points of fire damage is not that much fire damage, not for uh, characters that are facing a CR 15, seventh, eighth level characters. So that's a very few hit points considering you have this vulnerability, right? That's one side of it. And that was the side I was paying attention to is, man, this thing's going to be too easy to kill. I'll just beef up its hit points, right? I'll just double this to 200 hit points. You give it 200 hit points and you can keep the vulnerability to fire, but 200 hit points. And then I'll play with the dial or I'll set it really high and then I can turn the dial down if I want the battle to end early. So I thought I would do that. What I didn't account for was the tremendous damage output that mummy lords can do. And it comes because they have this rotting fist attack, plus nine to hit, not crazy high on the attack. 14 bludgeoning damage and 21 necrotic damage. So that's 35 points of damage with a rotting fist. That's like equivalent of a cone of cold's worth of damage per fist attack. And it get me can make it uses dreadful glare and makes one attack with its rotting fist. Okay, that's you know that's not so bad. Dreadful glare is like a fear effect, right? It makes it frightened and par if it and par frightened potentially paralyzed. Okay. Oh yeah, and by the way, this uh, this it has a rotten curse where you can't regen. This is important. C curse target can't regain hit points. If they fail a DC 16 con save, they can't regain hit points. Regardless of the curse and how long it lasts and all the other stuff, the fact is you hit a guy and they fail to save, they can't be healed. Now here's the scary bit. Three legendary actions and the rotting fist attack is one of it. So we can do four rotting fist attacks. So that's 140 points of damage per round that this creature can put out CR 15, 140 points. That is crazy amounts of damage. And that's what happened. It's also crazy amounts of damage when you consider the fact that, that they can't necessarily heal that damage. So wham, two, three hits, two couple of hits will knock someone out. And that's what happened. I nearly TPK'd the entire party with this one mummy lord. It was really, it was way harder than the vampire I ran the last session, which is a little of a problem, right? Like they faced Tech Lili, who they've been hearing about for months. 
And Teklili was challenging, but not like this guy. This guy was wiping people out. Like he was dropping people. We had characters who were so bad off that even after a long rest, they had no hit points because they couldn't regain hit points. They were stabilized. People had to take a long rest to get Remove Curse, to memorize it, and then cast it on multiple people, and then cast a bunch of heal spells. And they can't take another long rest away. <laughs> so they were, they're going into Yethrin already down, which isn't bad necessarily. It puts a little bit of a challenge on it. The other scary bit is he can cast Harm as a spell, which is better than a Rotting Fist attack. So Harm can unleash a violent creature constitution saving throw, and it's high, right? 14d6 necrotic, half on a save. Damage can reduce. If the target fails a saving throw, its hit point maximum is reduced for one hour by an amount equal to the dam necrotic damage it took. So, like, you could drop somebody. We, we had a cleric hit with harm, failed to save, took, I don't know how much. I said the good news is, the, the bad news is you took 68 points of damage. The good news is you can't be reduced below one. The bad news is your hit points are now one. You have one hit point, period. And so he was stuck with one hit point for a while, right? For an hour. For the rest of the battle, he's like, if I take any damage, I'm down. It was a really challenging fight. So my answer, my answer for Mummy Lords is Mummy Lords are really powerful monsters, really powerful undead monsters. I would still say for the CR-15, it's a true CR-15 monster, maybe even higher. The hit points are pretty high. And you might make the attack fit, I don't know. I don't mind monsters that are a little too hard because frankly, at this challenge rating, it's almost always the other way around. Really scary stuff. So they fought that guy. It was really hard. Then they went to the, the Druid Grove, met the Druids. They got some, they ate some fruit. They were hoping the fruit would fix them. The fruit didn't fix them, but they were able to cast their spells, take a rest. So they were able to take a long rest. They were able to get recovered, but like they, they took a long rest, but immediately all their healing, they just burnt a bunch of healing potions. They drank tons of healing potions. They burned out a bunch of spell slots from the cleric. And now they're going into Yethrin kind of unprepared and they know that they can't be there very long they know they can only be there basically a day they essentially get one long rest in and so that is that's what happened right they went in i am using my so so to for the game prep today let us start a new i am using again using notion to do my campaign planning yeah, if you want to know more about Notion, you can see it in the show notes below and including a template that can help you build your own camp. 21 November. 21 November front Sunday Frost Maiden. So let's take a look at the characters. We have today, Ilda is a half Goliath, half elf. She has the blood of Thrun in her. She's starting to hear Thrun's words. Thrun is an elder evil that is locked up in a powerful sarcophagus below, uh, powerful sarcophagus below Yethrin. And it's leaking and those who are attuned to it are starting to hear it. And Ilda is starting to hear, is starting to hear the, uh, the voice of Thrun. We have Shadowhawk as a half mind flayer, half drow sorcerer who has a mind flayer symbiote in his head that tells him things. We have Auken Dawncaller. Auken Dawncaller also has some blood of Thrun in him, uh, is the half brother of Ilda, a Goliath of the Wormdune Crag tribe who has been at Yethrin before. Why? I don't know. Gorwan Alcazar is the only non-possessed, non-thrune-bloody, non-symbiote parasite uh, member of the party who's instead just a greedy happens to be here hoping to find a way to make it make a buck. Secret, secret heir of the uh, Grey Castle family from Waterdeep. Parent Fat Rabbit is a uh, survivor of a mind flayer kidnapping who still has some of the wiring in his body, but is not 
affected by it and is a major conspiracy uh, conspiracy theorist. Candle in the Dark was a tabaxi rogue in the service of the Xanathar, then drank uh, drank bloody liquid, black liquid from leaking from an elder evil, another elder evil, and died and is now resurrected as a vampire that can hear the voice of Thrun as well. Took the most mainlined route of of becoming a Thrunit, a Thrunite. Candle is now an undead abomination, but still driven to do what's right. Big change in that character's story. Really big and heart-wrenching change in that character's story. So those are our characters. The strong start, they are, let's pull up. They are at Y4, the Tower of Abjuration. They, they entered the tower. The tower is two floors. And the lower floor, they just stepped into the room. They were drawn in. They, they, there was a bunch of glyphs. They got through the glyphs. They got into the chamber. So they've entered Yethrin. They've seen a dead tomb tapper, which is pretty cool. They're going to start facing tomb tappers. They avoided some guys that they saw, and they used Pass Without Trace to get away from them. Oh, ghostly figures, like, you know, ghostly figures having arguments, like dead Netherese ghosts. And they avoided that and instead faced a animated Bigby's hand, defeated that, and then made it to the Tower of Abjuration, where they are looking for one of three keys that they need to enter the they need to enter the central spire of Yethrin and make their way down to the vault of make their way down to the vault of Thrun and face Thrun. So they entered the central chamber and now they are facing these guys called Demos Magen. Facing the Demos Magen of the Tower of Eb. Of Eb. The Demos Magen are constructs, right? They're humanoid constructs. Magical humanoid-like beings created by wizard spell. Create Magen spell or by other arcane methods. So the Magen look like humanoids with green stin. They are constructs. One is wounded. Its blood is seen to have the color and consistency of mercury. That's cool. Purely through magical means when one is killed, its body disappears in a burst of harmless fire and a cloud of smoke that quickly dissipates. They are just challenge rating two guys, so not super powerful guys. AC 16, 51 hit points, two attacks. They do nine slashing damage. They're, they fight with great swords, apparently. Plus four to hit, so not super powerful. It might be fun that, let's see, what we'll, we'll highlight Demos Majin. It might be fun to surround, oh, there's a, I think there was a construct in the center of the room. I rolled it up. It was like a clockwork. So a clockwork Ori feeds celestial energy into the Majin, granting them advantage on attacks. And plus, how much? Seven, 2d6, force damage on attacks. So they're underpowered, so giving them like a, we'll put an object in the center of the room. The object, so let's see, we're gonna use my quick stat building tool. So let's think about if the object itself, what challenge rating would it be? Five, probably a CR5 object, right? Challenge rating five out of 20. So not the most powerful thing in the world. That would be AC is 12 plus half that. Let's make it six just to, for round numbers. So AC 15, hit points are six times 15, 60 plus five times six is 30, 90. So pretty powerful object, right? AC 15, 90 hit points. That seems a little high. Do they really need to do 90 damage? Is it easy to do 90 damage? We're gonna, we're gonna lower that because it's an Ori, it's not particularly not particularly powerful. 
so they can destroy the Ori and that will lower the damage output. In the meantime, they'll be fighting the Majin and it's difficulty is about the equivalent of a Majin, but they'll see these arcs. Does it do any damage to, we could be mean and have it do force damage when it's struck like it has a, like it has a shield on it. That's, I don't know. Oh, can they disable it? Yeah. What are a few things that they could do to disable it? They can channel arcane energy into it. So we want to have, we're going to do like skill challenge-y thing that it takes multiple checks to break it. Or does, is it one big arcana check or multiple arcana checks? Probably at least a couple of arcana checks. It could be surrounded by an arcane, surrounded by an arcane shield, which needs to be dis removed. And the DC to remove it would be, oh, we'll get with a DC 15 and then jammed, jammed physically. DC 15 strength, right? So now we have sort of, you know, a couple different ways you could deal with it. You could just go beat the hell out of it, destroy it with actual attacks and stuff like that. Uh, or you can break it down. And, and so this is, here's a little tip, right? This is a different way of thinking about a skill challenge, right? Instead of thinking about it like how many successes before how many failures, we don't worry about that. Instead, what we say is, what is this thing? It is an Ori. It's going to look like the Superman thing, right? It's this big spinning thing. It has like a ball of energy as you know, things are lining up and it's drawing, it's drawing celestial energy into it and then arcing that out and hitting the Majin. And it's got a magical shield because the Netherese are not idiots. They don't, they put a magical shield of protection around it. So it's got like the equivalent of a shield spell and you can smash through the shield spell and hit what's underneath. But if you're going to try to force it, you can't just force something in it. You have to break the shield first and you can do that with an Arcana check. Dispel magic would also do it. And then you got to break the thing physically and breaking it physically is either straight damage or some kind of physical check and then if somebody comes up with another creative way to use their skills to break it up we can come up with that or certainly if they have things that they use the thing is we want to think about the object in the world right and the object in the world is like a six or seven foot tall ori of spinning rings with little balls that's encased in a magical shield uh, that protects it and it arcs out force energy or celestial energy over to the Majin. I think that works. So now we got like kind of a fun, complicated fight and we're starting right off in that. And it makes these demos Majin a little bit more challenging than plus four to hit and nine points of damage. They're, they're pretty dangerous. So that's pretty good. So we have the fight with the Majin. We have the, so the next thing that's in this chamber is the Anvil of Disjunction. And it can destroy a magic item. I don't know why they would want to do that. Is there, is there some reason that they would want to destroy the anvil? Cursed objects. But yeah, I don't know that the group has anything that they want to destroy. But maybe it's just a cool thing that they find. Find the body of an archmage. Uh, there is actually, let's see if I can pull it up. There's a supplement on the DM's guild. The Yethrin Expanded Towers. I think this is the one that I picked up. By Daniel Kahn. Daniel Kahn makes a lot of stuff. Daniel Kahn put out a series of supplements for each of the towers of Yethrin. I picked this up. And what I like about it is it has a good amount of lore for each of the towers. I will link to this. I will link to this in the show notes below. And what I dug about it is he expands each one. He gives them, it puts, there's, there's battle maps for each one. Is this the Tower of Abjuration? But here's an example. And it's a, sh a nice short guide. It doesn't expand it tremendously, it, it, but it gives more information about each of the towers and includes a little map, which I like. But it's not, what I dig about this is that it doesn't break 
the, it doesn't break what's in the adventure. I don't have to rethink it. But one of the things that's cool is there's this whole history here. We have some good information. I should actually read that, shouldn't I? Male human wizard, respectable protection, security, important places, crowning achievement, development of the anvil disruption. Yes, the second greatest accomplishment was the impenetrable magic field that could be erected around the spire of Nethras. That's cool. Mages of Tarath's teachings were developed new ways. Think about the life and magical draining abilities of the Pharim who sought to undo the Netherese civilization. When Yethrin fell, Tarath and his colleagues acted quickly to enforce the, f- the field, which protective magic was able to survive the crap, but met his end at the hands of a tomb trapper. That's pretty funny. So his body, we're going we're gonna to take this part and a, a secret. Oh, did I? Yeah, okay, I'm in the wrong. Well, let's close that. I don't want to make my life hard. So uh, a secret is that High was killed by one of his own tomb trappers who hated the destruction of a magic item. He wore bracers of protection, bracers of armor that didn't seem to serve him. One of the items are high bracers of armor. Now it would be cool. It'd be fun to add a spell to this. We're gonna, we're gonna get, we're gonna get crazy here. Why don't we? Whoops, no, don't do it. No, oh no, click the wrong thing. I don't know if this is gonna work out, but we're gonna try it. This is Deep Magic by Cobalt Press. And I think it would be fun to try to find a particular spell. Do they they have spells by type? Ooh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that. Yeah, so let's throw like a third level abjuration spell. Is there an abjuration spell? Iron Mind. Iron Mind. One willing creature you touch becomes immune to psychic damage and mind-altering effects for the spell's duration. Concentration up to one hour. That's pretty cool. So we're going to grab that and we're going to cast Iron Mind. We're going to link to that. We're going to create a new page. Go to the Frostman data. Go in here. This is actually, we're going we're gonna to say it's an item and we're going to paste that in. So the cool bit is I can give this to the, the, the players will have access to spells that they've never seen anywhere else because they're only in this deep magic book. It's a cool way to use like third party stuff is to make it things that they can only get from certain places. That probably took too long to do, but they are going to, they're going to go up there. They're going to face these demos mage in. They're going to see the anvil. They're going to find the body of high abjure Tarath, find his bracers. With the bracers will be fine. The rest of his body will have been pulverized right into mash. And, and it's, wow, his bracers are still cool because the guy was just hitting him with a hammer until he was destroyed. That does give us a secret about the tomb tapper. We can learn about tomb tappers. Nethri's Arcanus who created these creatures called them Thaludes, which means faceless, wrought from the fusion of magic. Insane hatred for non-human spellcasting creatures. Digest iron and blood and sent in Therud to Underdark to exterminate enemies. No magic devouring funnel-shaped creatures known as Ferrum. So lots of lots of interesting lore about tomb tappers, right? Magical wielding monsters. And we'll link to that. So another secret I want to have. So they're going to go there. They're going to go in and then they're going to start picking other towers. And we need to take a look at the other towers need to take a look at some of the other towers that they may go to and see which ones we like. Because I think one of the things I want to drop in here is that what's her name? Avarice is also collecting keys to get into the vault, right? So there's another group that's going around from vault to vault. So I want the characters to go to a different vault and find out that it's already been cleared out that Avarice and her drow 
have already cleared this, have already cleared out one of the vaults. And then they can decide what they want to do with this. Monsters, Tomb Tappers. Well, why am I doing that? We have, what are those guys called? Demos Majin. What other monsters? So we have Avarice. Whoops. We have uh, Drow Elite Warriors. Drow Mage. Any other Drow? I don't know. I think we're okay with Drow Elite Warriors and Drow Mage. And we have regular Drow regular drow foot soldiers, right? These are the Knight's Kiss. So one of the characters is being hunted by an, a group of assassins known as the Knight's Kiss. The Knight's Kiss has grouped up with Avarice and Avarice recruited them and they're the ones making their way down in. So I'm replacing the Knights of the Black Sword with drow because it fits the story of the characters and it'd be pretty cool. They already know that they're on the way. Avarice is an NPC. We have Janth, good old Janth Alwar. We have a new NPC. Let's see if I stuck him in the database. I don't see him in the database. In my last game, but I think I wrote him into the show notes, I hope. Or not in the show notes, in the uh, session notes. One of the things I did with the mummy, Delicos the Strife Hunter. Wevlos the Grave Cloud. Who was that? Oh, we have Zeke. Yeah, so we've got a few NPCs here worth talking about. I don't remember who Wevlos the Grave Cloud is. But uh, Zeke is a former drow of the knight's kiss now executive assistant to gore once hated shadowhawk and when we say executive assistant what we mean is zombie he animated a zombie this was a fun in a success story i had a good successful use of safety tools that i'd like to share so on on the game last time we had Gore who decided he was going to animate dead on this mashed up drow and turn him into a zombie. And that's the kind of thing where depending on your group that may or may not go well. So I said, this is a good chance for me to use the let's pause for a minute. So I said, let's pause for a minute. Is everybody, you know, let's break character for a second. Is everybody cool with Joe's character Gore animating the body of a drow to become, to, to walk around with the group? And everybody said, yeah, all right. And, and anybody who hadn't been already chiming in said, yeah, we're good with it. And I went, great, excellent. All right, back in character. And we dropped back in. And it was a good way of just, I wanna get experience with this. I wanna try this. And it was a good way to try it. It wasn't weird. We, everybody was cool. And we went right back into the game. And then of course I thought, oh, wait a minute. They've already had zombie companions before and they do all kinds of other creepy stuff. I don't know why this would be a problem. Candle drank black liquid and died and then is reanimated as like a zombie assassin. So. Yeah, seems like it's cool. But it was I, one of the things that I recommend, one of the things I recommend with a safety tool like that, particularly one where it's let's break character and make sure we're cool. Try Just use it from time to time, even if it's not a big deal. Just use it to get used to using it. And that way it's not a weird stigma if you use it. It's a good way to say, that's one of the things about the X card is I think it's worth using, you know, if we can use the X card to just say, I, that's why uh, script change more than I like the X card, I think. Script change does this too. We could just pause and say, everybody good? Yep, we're good. Game on. I like that. The demystify button. Real good way of bringing it involved and not having it be a big deal, a big confrontational deal at the table. Yeah, so we now have Zeke. We should probably make a, a, a Zeke card because they're going to love Zeke. I hope Zeke doesn't die in the next or doesn't get destroyed in the next NPC. The drow zombie. Let's see if we have a drow zombie picture. That one's pretty good. That one's pretty good too. I don't know which one I want to pick. I want a fun picture of a drow zombie. This one for now. It's probably a little too serious for Zeke, but it'll do. 
former Night's Kiss assassin. All right, so that was one of our new, I don't know who the hell Wave Waverus the Grave Crowd is, but Delicos is another NPC, former Netherese wizard turned mummy lord. Former Netherese wizard turned mummy lord, now haunting a mask worn by, I think by Perrin. I think Perrin picked it up. Ooh, that's pretty cool. That's great. Copy that image, All right? Very cool. So uh, Delicos is a former Netherese wizard. So now they have an NPC. Killing a mummy lord means you get an NPC that tells you all stuff about Yetherin. It's a great vehicle for sharing Netherese lore and Yetherin stuff is having a uh, mask that's going around. What other secrets and clues? Find the bracer, choose the next tower. One of the towers. So I want to look at what's in the towers. And we want to see which of these towers do we think it would be good if, if, if Avarice has already hit. So if we look at the map... This map is so big. So Y4 is a, is a tower. I think I have, let's see, down here in Fantastic Locations. I misspelled Yethrin too, so luckily. Here's another cool Notion uh, feature, is that if you change the name of the page, all the links to it change. So the towers are, so Conjuration is nearby. What I should do is let's take this map and let's stick it down in this window. So Conjuration is there, okay. 26, Transmutation is there. 22, Tower of Illusion is there, right? 21 uh, is not a, that's just an obelisk. Nine, so where's seven? Seven is here. 11 is a tower. Where's 11? Uh, 11 is way out here. Necromancy, 18. Necromancy, it looks like Necromancy collapsed. That's cool. So I think a couple of these have been ransacked. So let's read through these real quick. What did I say? Y7. Tower of Conjuration. There are living Big B's hands that attack. This is the one with an extra dimensional den with the night hags. I think I had mentioned the night hags before, but I don't think anybody ever paid attention to that. I don't know if I want to run them. Just we've had hags already. This is the Tower of Conjuration. So what kind of interesting thing? So I, I think the Tower of Conjuration is already, Avarice already cleared out the Tower of Conjuration and received its item. Okay. So if they go to the tower next, they'll find out that it's already been ransacked. They'll see the remains. We'll have some remains of some monsters that they fought and battled and went through, some conjurations. But it'll be pretty straightforward. They could learn some lore about the conjuration thing too, but they they got to pick another tower. Divination, let's see. So if they go to conjuration, which is seven, divination is 11. Divination has an orb of divination. Probably this one might have already been taken as well. Maybe they came in and hit Y11 and then Y7 and then traveled traveled up would make sense. So I think divination already. This is making the characters have to, they've got to go to multiple places to get their keys. Y18, let's take a look at the necromancer one. And not much in 18. 200 clawing claws are trying to dig it out. And so I bet you that Avarice probably came here and said, I'm not gonna bother digging through that and just left. So Avarice left the Tower of Necromancy because she doesn't have time to dig a tower out of the ground. But the characters could, and there is an item down there that is a key if they're willing to go get it. So that would be a second key is in Y18. Where else? Tower of Divination, we already did. Uh, Tower of Evocation is Y20. 
you know what? This is like super handy. Look at this. They've got all the links already here. And I can just click on these. Evocation. Alcove, suspended side block. These, this looks cool. I don't think she probably made it here yet. So maybe the characters arrive here. And that could be gelatinous cubes, sure. Tower of Illusion, 22. Doesn't look like there's much here. Phantasmal Killers. Not much to this one, boy. Enchantment, 24. The Cursed Crown. That's kind of cool. So I don't know. I'm not going to spend too much time prepping every one of these rooms because because I don't know which direction they're going to go. So I'm going to end up I'm going to wing a fair bit of this. But part one of the tools I have at my disposal. So I have a couple tools. One is I can use the guides that uh, Daniel Kahn put together, and I can run those, which have more to the towers. And I can drop in the fact that Avarice, I can drop in the fact that Avarice is also collecting keys. And she's probably collecting them at the roughly the same rate the characters are. I don't know where that's going. Should she get her keys before they get their keys? I'm not sure. And who gets into the 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 the, temp, the Tower of Thrones? Will she already be down there? Maybe, right? Like that might be the big central fight is they get down there and she's already down there trying to draw the energy out of the sarcophagus of Thrones. Maybe it could be that this whole chapter goes really because I'm skipping like there's a fair bit of exploration that they can do here. But I bet I, they, they know what they're going to do here. So I don't know that I'm going to spend a tremendous amount of time here. And eventually I'm going to have to start thinking about that final battle. And I think that there could be a, a fun sort of wave of final battle that would be really hard would be fighting Night's Kiss Drow plus Avarice as a mage. Then when Avarice dies, it turns out she's been holding the essence of Oral in her. And then they have to face all three versions of Oral, one right after the other, and destroy all three. And, oh, so this could be a secret, right? Oral, let's let's fill out some, finish up our secrets here. Oral cannot see Thrune, but is now aware of its existence and seeks its power. She'd been using the energy, but that's been failing. And now it seeks its power to challenge the other gods. Avarice has become a physical vessel for Oral. For Oral's terrestrial physical vessel for Oral. So Oral has become aware. So Oral had not seen Thrun. Uh, had, Oral had not seen Thrun until... When did she become aware of Thrune? Until she found Avarice told Oral about the true origin of Thrune and the power the elder evil holds, right? And then Oral went into Avarice and said, find it, let's go there. So Oral wants more, wants more than the endless night now. She wants to destroy the gods who shunned her, which is Talos, Malar, and who? I forget. Oh, Umberly. That's pretty good. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. Hey, I got my secrets. As you can see in today's show, I jumped around a lot, and that's because Yethrin's kind of a big place with a lot going on. So it's a tricky, it, this is a kind of a tricky place to run. And the key is you just, you do the eight steps and it ties the thread together and you run, you go through with what the book has to say and, and you, you run the adventure as it goes. But I think that the goal here is that they're going to collect the characters, collect three items from the Nether Archmages. 
to enter the center spire. Avarice is doing the same thing. Confrontation down in the throne. I'm gonna have to think about that confrontation a bit. What does that mean? Do they, I guess as a player, how disappointing is it is if you never actually see Thrun? By the way, if you want like a stat block for Thrun, that, what is it called? Who's the Slod Lord? Yigrol, right? The Lord of Entropy. This is a good stat block for, I use this stat block already. This is from Morden Canaan's, right? I use this stat block already from, it was the Elder Evil in Eberron. I used the same thing when the Eberron thing came true, but I think that this might be a good, a good powerful damaging stat block if they let through. It's pretty great. It's my go-to doomsday stat block. If you need a go-to doomsday stat block. Maybe, do I have a Thrun? Pretty sure I have a Thrun. This is that whole learn to reskin, right? You know, reskin that guy. That, that looks like a Lord of Entropy. Lots of lore. So that's good. So I think we are all set. I'm feeling confident enough. I don't know. It's not perfect. I don't feel great because I don't know which towers they're going to. I don't know what sites they're going to go see. I'm going to I'm gonna fall back. I, I wrote some random encounters up here. We've done this guy now. So I can kill the Bigby hand. We'll just uh, turn this into a checkbox. Go boop. And I can fill it out. I can fill it out with stuff. Uh, I should also do some like... A, a random list of, so I, I use the monument generator here. This works pretty well as a way to, as a monument generator for Yethrin. So I can fill in a lot of stuff by, by rolling randomly and, and off we go. I think we're good. So we'll see how the game goes. I think it'll be fine. You know, my friends all want to get together to play some D&D for a few hours. It's not huge. Not, it doesn't have to be perfect. We all just want to have a good time. So I'm really, I'm excited for it. And I think that is where we'll end the show today. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me this morning while I prepped my game. It is always a great pleasure to hang out with you and to talk through all of this stuff. I really enjoy it. I want to thank the patrons of Sly Flourish, as always, for helping support the show. If you like this show, you can help me out by subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter, by supporting me directly on Patreon, by picking up any of my books, or by subscribing to my videos on YouTube. So thank you all very much. Have a great day and get out there and play some D&D.